You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, as well as Rogue One and the other spinoff films and future uh, episodes in the trilogy and uh, video games and TV series and all that good stuff. Um, as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. Doing even better because... We're in August now, and summer's always over, and you know what that means. We're going to be at Force Friday in September in just a few short weeks, and then after that, man, it's just going to kick off. It's a crazy, crazy Star Wars hype mode, man, those next coming months. So this is, might be, like, the last bit of, like, quiet, slow new stuff of the summer and of probably of the year until we get full-blown into Star Wars mode. It's going to be insane, and we're almost there. We're, we're just moving ever so closer to that December 18th release date and man it's going to be awesome yeah absolutely i mean we do have quite a few things to just to kind of touch on in this episode but a lot of it is kind of smaller rumors and things um hasn't really been any big news since the uh the comic-con panel for the force awakens and so um you know a little bit of a quiet period right now as we're just waiting for uh d23 at the end of this month where we'll probably get some new information there um and then of course like you said we're coming up on force friday with the big merchandising push and hopefully a new trailer sometime around there as well um and then it's just going to kind of kick into overdrive from there um it's funny because I think just yesterday they added a new update for the official Star Wars app that, uh, you know, I think we talked about this a little while ago, but, you know, it's got like the um, the Star Wars selfies and the GIFs and all that kind of fun stuff on there. But um, they've also got like a little countdown clock until The Force Awakens comes out. But in the latest update, they changed it. So, you now you can now kind of switch between um, a few different timers and now they've got one where it's a countdown to force Friday and then one to battlefront and then one to the force awakens. So anyways, I'm looking at it like last night or something and wasn't really paying attention to what it said. The countdown was for, I just see like 28 days and I'm like, what the heck? We're not that close to episode seven. <laughs> Did they move the release date? Up? <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish, but, I know. <laughs> um, no, that was just counting down to force Friday, which is in less than a month now. So, um, getting close to that. And then, yeah, like we said with, uh, you know, Battlefront and all the other stuff that's coming out this fall and, you know, December 18th is just going to be here before we know it. Yeah, it's just hard to think, man. Once we hit August 18th, we're just four months away. Four. <laughs> that's just really hard to believe. I just can't imagine what it's going to be like when we're after Force Friday, we're hitting those fall months like October, November, and it's just right there. <laughs> it's just hard to imagine right now. Yeah. Oh, man. I hope it just like flies by and it's not just like, you know, one of those things where you, you spend all your time thinking about it and just 
crawls by so slowly, but I'm yeah. sure it'll be here before we know it. This whole year has been flying by, really, but I think that it's is true. Where it's probably going to be when we're in November or like the first day of December, like those next two weeks are just going to drag so long, <laughs> probably. It's going to seem like the longest part of the year than any other months or weeks that we experienced in 2015. It's that moment when we're so close but yet so far <laughs> yeah but then you know the the payoff is going to make it all worth it oh yeah <laughs> um so anyway let's jump into some of these uh updates and stuff that we've got to talk about um one thing uh that came out from uh, making star wars this past it was about a week ago or so um they revealed some details about the imax format of the force awakens and of course we know that uh, they're shooting part of the movie on jakku um, on IMAX cameras, um, and so, but they've just kind of posted some comparison images here of like the kind of standard widescreen format, and then the giant like seventy millimeter IMAX uh, film that is it, it's like taller, so it's almost more of a square shape. But and if you've ever been to IMAX theaters where they've got like those really big tall uh, screens in there. I mean, I was just picturing watching or, you know, kind of picturing what this is going to look like on those huge screens. And I'm like, man, I think I might have to get myself to one of those. Like I'm in Tucson, Arizona. We've got an IMAX theater, but it's not like a true IMAX with the really tall, um, those really tall screens. Like it was just a okay. regular theater. And then they converted one of the, the screens in there to, uh, you know, an IMAX sponsored presentation or whatever they call it where it actually it has a really nice surround sound speaker system and the the picture quality is really good and everything but it's just not that huge imax screen um and they've got like a couple of those theaters up in phoenix which is like you know an hour and a half to two hour drive for me but i'm thinking like i might have to make the trek up there for the midnight show um although i mean if not the midnight show i'll definitely go that weekend or something like that but um just knowing that you know, they're, they actually like shot this on, uh, you know, the 70 millimeter film. And then they're actually saying that it's not going to be, um, that the 3d is not going to be post conversion 3d that they actually shot like, um, 3d on those 70 millimeter IMAX film reels with, you know, two reels side by side or something like that. However, they do that 3d, but, um, I'm like, man, that is going to just look fan freaking tastic. So, um, yeah, if you've got uh, an IMAX theater anywhere near you, I would say definitely make plans to see it in that format. Yeah, I mean, I've yet to see a full movie in IMAX 3D. I've seen some previews, like when they did the preview, like showings for Guardians of the Galaxy and The Dark Knight Rises. And I was blown away by how cool the 3D looked with Guardians of the Galaxy on that massive screen. And I was already planning to see The Force Awakens in IMAX, just got to see every version they're putting out <laughs> of this release. So. Um, but when I saw these images comparisons that they had on the site, it was like, man, this really can't be missed because you're gaining a lot more <laughs> with those with the IMAX screen. And like you said, yeah, it's just going to be some just insane <laughs> when you're sitting that movie theater with that big of a screen. If you're if you have one near you, I think it's something that you have to go see. I mean, I don't think I'm going to do it as my first showing. I always like my first showing just to be you know the standard 2D releases. I'll, normal movies are going to be and then later on see it in 3d and then in imax but definitely going to be seeing the, the imax probably as my next showing i would think because it looks incredible just from those images that they had for a comparison kind of imagine what it's going to look like when we're actually in the theater seeing it on 
the IMAX screen and how it was filmed in IMAX and all that. So that whole uh, Millennium Falcon chase in Jakku, I mean, I don't think they've officially said that's the scene they shot in IMAX, but or maybe they have. I can't remember, but that is the one everyone's talking about where that is the one that is shot in IMAX. Because, well, that's right. When the first teaser came out, they Lucasfilm like sent out all those official like release screen grabs from it, and then one of them was the Falcon and the Tie Fighters. That was in the IMAX format. So. Yeah, one of them was like the file. The image file itself was labeled with IMAX, and so yeah. I mean they haven't officially announced that that's the scene that they're doing. But I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty much common knowledge by now. Um, you know, among those of us who are following all this stuff, because it's uh, you know you can kind of just put the pieces together. Um, cause exactly. like, I mean, there was that image, but then also when they first announced that they were filming part of the movie in IMAX, you know, they released an image of an IMAX camera kind of hovering over the, the sands of what we now know as Jakku. I think at the time we were still probably assuming that was Tatooine, but, um, so, you know, we, we can kind of assume that. And then in the, um, the Comic-Con highlight reel that they showed with like the behind the scenes footage, um, the, there was a shot of Ray in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon with a couple IMAX cameras mounted on there filming her. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to shoot, you know, a, a scene, you know, only one scene of the movie in IMAX, like what better one to do than a chase scene involving the Millennium Falcon for probably the first time we're going to see it in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes you think like, from all the other cool action scenes we're probably going to get, it's going to be, oh man, I wish they would have filmed that in IMAX or that scene in IMAX too. <laughs> just yeah. probably going to get spoiled on this one sequence and then we're going to want more and more to be filmed that way because it's going to look incredible, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's not just the size of these images, but like I can tell a difference in the picture quality too. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, especially if you look at the, the sky in the background of some of these shots, it definitely looks more blue in the uh, the IMAX images whereas it looks a little bit more washed out on the other side so um yeah man i'm definitely excited for this and like i said if i don't make the trip to go see it for the midnight show i will definitely be seeing it you know as soon as possible afterwards totally yeah it's definitely on the list of many screenings of the force awakens is gonna be <laughs> yeah hopefully if anyone is has IMAX theaters that are close to where you live, you'd be able to hopefully check this out too. Because yeah, like I said before, it's going to be some you every Star Wars fan would probably want to experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on from that, um, of course, you know, making Star Wars always uh, coming up with the the leak concept art and stuff like that too. Um, they released a couple new images of uh, an alien X wing pilot um, that they're referring to uh, Bullhead. Uh, or they're, they're referring to this, this alien or this character design as a bullhead, um, which, you know, I, obviously I doubt that's going to be the name of the, the actual species in the movie. I'm pretty sure this is a species we haven't seen before, but, um, it's just like kind of how in the Moss Eisley Cantina, you know, they nicknamed the, uh, Thorian guy Hammerhead and then, you know, came up with an official name for it later or whatever. Um, but you know, so they've got, a. a a couple new images of that species and then also a couple pieces of concept art of a new TIE fighter design that looks pretty cool. But, um, I think they're saying that, uh, you know, this is probably an early concept and might not end up, um, in the, uh, the final movie, but still something pretty cool to look at. Yeah. I really like that TIE fighter design. It's, um, setting it apart as far as the different TIE fighter models we've seen before. And I don't know why just, 
I guess when the shot and the image we have of it that's showing it from the back, I get a Y wing feel to it. I mean, it's not exactly like a Y wing, but it does kind of have like those long sides when you look at it from behind that it has that Y wing feel to it. So, oh uh, yeah, I can kind of see what you mean. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get something similar to this in the movie. But if you like, I said, if it's an early concept, then maybe things have changed. But hopefully we see something like that because I really like that design. Yeah. Now speaking of Tie Fighter designs, we actually missed something. Um, from the, I, I think it was at uh, San Diego Comic Con when they had the big display of like the six inch Black Series Tie Fighter and all that. Um, I saw some additional images from that online, and um, it actually kind of gave something away a little bit about the movie, which is that those Tie Fighters have it, it's sort of a new design in the sense that uh, it's a two seater cockpit. Um, and even though it's still kind of that same like bubble shaped cockpit, if if somebody took some pictures, like looking directly down inside one of them that had the top opened up and there's like two chairs seated back to back. Um, and so, you know, the, the pilot facing forward has, you know, is the one flying and controlling the, the main guns and everything, obviously. But then there's also like a turret on the bottom of it that kind of swivels around. Um, and I guess it's the, you know, the person sitting in the back that controls that, and I'm like, oh, suddenly that shot in the trailer makes a lot more sense to me because there's a scene where, um, you know, that shot where the TIE fighter is in the hangar and blasting the other uh, the other TIE fighters and stuff. And the at least the side of it that's facing us, um, you know, it's not like a normal TIE fighter cockpit. It's more like a, you know, rectangular kind of window slit kind of thing. Um, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Is that going to be like some new kind of TIE fighter where that's the front window of it? But I think that's the back window of it. And even though it's shooting in that direction, it's like, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be Poe or Finn who's flying the TIE fighter, but I'm assuming the other one is going to be in the back, um, you know, using that uh, that turret on the bottom to cover the escape. So I think that's what's going on there. Well, yeah, I didn't even pick up on that, but. Now I want to go see that part of the trailer again. <laughs> Just uh, I'll probably notice it now that you're saying it. But yeah, I mean, if like you said, you mentioned that uh, dioramas that they had from the Comic Con footage of that Black Series Tie Fighter. I didn't pick up on that either. So. Huh, I'm missing these little things on here. <laughs> I, just, I probably just took it for granted. Oh, it's just a standard TIE fighter just with a different coat of paint and the white on the wings, but that looks like there's going to be more to it. But Yeah, which makes me happy because, again, you know, one of the, the few complaints I've had about some of this stuff so far is that um, some of the designs and stuff that we've seen, and especially the TIE fighter design, it's like that looks really similar to – you know, the original trilogy, like that doesn't look like it's changed much in changed much in 30 years. And so now we know, you know, even though it looks the same, like there's different stuff going on inside. So, yeah, I've heard a few cool. people kind of mentioned that way that if they had any complaints, that is one of them or the ships haven't evolved too differently from when we last saw them in Jedi. I don't know. For some reason, that's not really bothering me. Maybe it's because I don't feel it's a long enough gap where you need drastic changes. But when you talk about some, I know I said this before to you also, where one of my little nitpicks about the Old Republic stuff, where some of the designs are too similar to Star Destroyers and Imperial ships and the Republic soldiers looking too much like clone troopers when they're set thousands of years before. When it's that big of a gap, then yeah, I'd expect some stuff more different. But when it's only about 30 years, I guess I can go ahead and go with it where not being too different, where maybe it's just a different color scheme or something like that, but... I don't know. I, I understand the complaints, but for some time, for something like that, it's not really bugging me too, too much. Yeah. And see, normally I would say that I would kind of agree with that, except 
when you've already got the the earlier movies kind of setting a precedent for that, like there's a 20 year gap between the Clone Wars and uh, the original trilogy. And, you know, you look at the difference between, you know, how much the, the ARC 170 changed into an X-Wing in mm, 20 years. Like that's a bigger difference than the X-Wings in the original trilogy and the X-Wings in The Force Awakens, which is 30 years. So it's like that's a longer gap. So I would, you know, I would have thought that they would have made it a little bit different. But um, maybe it plays into it too. This what the state of the galaxy is during that time. Like, hopefully, we'll yeah. find out in the book aftermath and the Shattered Empire comics. Is what actually was going on between Jedi and the Force Awakens. Maybe they didn't really have time to evolve their ships too too much because they're still engaged in battles and stuff like that. So, who knows? Hopefully, we'll find out. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, again, part of it is just them trying to evoke that nostalgia and of course know, yeah. original trilogy feel of it and everything so it's not all you know in universe motivation and everything too but um i mean it you know it's not a huge nitpick for me um and i think and it's probably the tie fighters in general like i like the new x-wing designs but i think when i first saw the tie fighters i was like really those look just like the old tie fighters but now that we've seen you know the toys close up and seen uh, even some of the the exterior differences and the the paint jobs and um just some of the way that they seem to be built a little bit differently but now knowing that uh, you know it's a two seater and got that turret on the bottom and everything too now i'm like okay now i'm i'm a little more okay with this like they they did change it up a little bit more I would just hope the First Order can finally put shields on the standard TIE Fighter. <laughs> I think they learned after all those battles they had with the Empire that you would TIE think. Fighter would do better if it had some type of shielding on it. <laughs> but you know what? When has shielding ever really mattered in the movies anyways? Like, I mean, aside from maybe the Millennium Falcon, um, you know, when, when the X-Wings are flying down the Death Star Trench, like Darth Vader's just picking them off one by one anyways. Nobody's like, oh, my deflector shields are down. Maybe that's what saved Wedge, though, from being blasted. <laughs> it's more operating better than others. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. So I wouldn't expect them to go into too much detail about that. But Yeah, I doubt I it. Maybe they'll mention it. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, so Making Star Wars had that concept art of this new bullhead alien guy. Um, and then Star Wars 7 News posted an article, and they actually had a couple of leaked photos. Um, or actually, I guess there's just one photo of this character, like, on set, in costume. Um, and then another photo that looks like it might be this guy's head in the creature shop or maybe somebody else. There's, you know, just a couple more pictures attached to this article of um, just some other creatures. There's, like, one, alien, like, you know, big alien-looking thing out in the desert on Jakku, but... Um, I mean, again, you know, pretty cool to see um, just some of the actual, like, character designs and, and masks and makeup and all this kind of stuff that they're doing for uh, for these characters. So it's looking pretty cool. Yeah, and I think it's just cool to see an alien creature in an X-Wing pilot suit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've heard about it. I mean, we've got some of those deleted scenes where... You saw like Mon Calamari and Return of the Jedi find some sips. But if we actually see some aliens in the actual movie in the cockpit of X-Wings and different ships, I think that's going to be really cool to see. Like, I like the look of this alien too, the bullhead. We'll find out maybe what his actual species name is. But kind of get a little uh, Geonosian feel to it. Kind of looks like a hmm. different type of version of a Geonosian alien. But yeah, either way, I hope we get different looks at different aliens in battles in this new trilogy 
I mean, we've heard rumors before where maybe some of the stormtroopers might be alien and some of the first order might have some aliens on there. We'll see if that happens, but at least for the resistance, I mean, we got the proof right here that they're going to have some aliens. So I hope we get a, kind of a good variety of different alien species that are fighting for the resistance. So I think that'd be pretty cool to see just from a visual standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up um, that he looks like a Geonosian because I, I can kind of see that. And I also was thinking he looks almost like a uh, Mon Calamari if they were like mammals instead of amphibians. Because mm. um, he's still got, you know, kind of a, a long round shaped head with the eyes on the side, but definitely has like a mustache going on. Yeah, um, <laughs> I could see it a little bit. So yeah, some, somewhere between the two. He's a mammal, you know, ha- hairy mammal cross between a Mon Calamari and a Geonosian. Yeah. <laughs> um, they crossbred <laughs> between those. <laughs> I did not need that imagery. <laughs> um, yeah, Admiral Akbar would have surely told somebody that was a trap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, this is, you know, some cool looking stuff. Um, and then also from Star Wars 7 News, uh, they leaked a picture of um, this actor. I think it's Ken Lung is how you pronounce it. Um, and we had heard some rumors that he might be playing a resistance officer in Episode 7. And now uh, we've actually got a photo of him um, in the outfit. And it's kind of an interesting looking design. Because, um, you know, he's, he's wearing like an officer's coat with you know, a flap down the middle or whatever, you know, one side folds over the other, but he's got a belt around his waist and the belt, like, you know, one, one side of the jacket is wrapped over the belt and then the belt starts wrapping around behind him and never comes around again on the other side. So I'm kind of wondering like, how long is that belt? Where is it going? (laughs) I don't know, but. I like the look of the design though. I mean, to me, it feels a little a bit of an imperial look to it more than I thought it would. Because yeah. when you think back of the original trilogy, like we see some of the rebel leaders, whether it's uh, General Dodonna or uh, General Riken and Empire Strikes Back, they kind of don't look too different from the standard uniforms that the other rebel soldiers look. They don't kind of have like a higher ranking look. But for this one, it looks like we're going to get that for the resistance. And to me, it has that imperial look to it also. Maybe not as... Uh, I don't know, as strict as you need to be when you're part of the First Order, the Imperial. It seems a little more casual to it, too. Like, it's just, it's not tucked in or anything. But with the badge on there and just how the coat and the collar neck is on his on that outfit, it reminded me of some of the Imperial officers we've seen already. So, But I like it, though. You can still tell the difference between um, if the Resistance in the First Order from that one shot we got of General Lux or Hux. So, uh it does seem a little more prestige hucks than uh, what this general resistance uh, officer is. So, but I did get a little bit of that feel to it, where it's a little more uniform than um, we've seen from previous rebel soldiers. I think in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of like that though because, um, I mean, at least from what we know so far, like there was at some point a new republic. We don't know if there still will be in. Um, Episode seven, but then of course you know the the rebels did beat the empire in Return of the Jedi. So you would think by this point they're a little more organized, a little more well respected. They're not just sort of like this ragtag band mm. that came together to you know in a, a desperate attempt to fight the power, um, like in the original trilogy. So 
um, you know, I would kind of expect the officers to have a little bit more um, formality, I guess you could say, um, and, and, you know, be a little bit more distinguished. Um, but obviously, yeah, you can definitely tell, like, just from the color scheme that, you know, this guy with the, the browns and the tans and everything going on is not on the same side as General Hux with his, you know, long black trench coat and everything. Exactly, yeah. You definitely tell the difference. One thing with this actor, too, the only I just remember him from uh, X-Men The Last Stand, where he played that mutant who had the spikes come out of his head. Yeah. It was like, he sounded like a... Young, like a teenager, like early twenties in that movie. That's only almost ten years ago. He looks a lot older in The Force Awakens with the gray hair and everything. Huh. I, well, like, yeah, I didn't think he was that young, but maybe because I also watched um, Lost, and he was on that show as well. Um, of course, now you got me curious, and I'm going to go look up how old he is. But I mean, from this picture, he looks like he's got to be at least forty. Yeah, um, exactly. Like he didn't look that old in X Men: The Last Stand. That's the only thing I saw him in. Yeah, he is 45, so I guess when X-Men came out, he would have been, like, mid-30s. Yeah. Well, he had a useful-looking face before when he was in his 30s <laughs> filming X-Men. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that whole little band of characters that he was with, they were all kind of, like, you know, street punk mutants or mm-hmm. whatever, so. <laughs> Granted, that was um, such a small role that I, I'm not taking anything <laughs> as far as how he played in that character yeah. to be in the force awakens is gonna be something totally different <laughs> yeah well i remember him being pretty good in lost so i think he'll uh, i think he'll do fine and i mean of course we're not expecting it to be that big of a role either exactly um, yeah but i'm sure and, we'll see him interact with princess leia though yeah yeah and apparently they actually spotted him like in the background of one of the shots in that behind the scenes reel um yeah so i still haven't actually found it in there but they posted a screenshot of it on this article yeah it's like he's by Carrie Fisher there as Leia, and then he got C-3PO in the background, too. Yeah. That red arm standing out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Or if that's even going to be explained at all, or it's just going to be like one of those things. It's been 30 years, something happened to it. <laughs> no, I, I still stand by my theory that he beat Chewie in a game of Tajeric. <laughs> <laughs> forgot it. Somebody wiped his memory, and he forgot his own advice to R2 to let the Wookiee win. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that would be an awesome explanation if <laughs> that gets revealed somehow that that is why it's now. That, that would be hilarious, especially if Chewie has like his own cabin in the Falcon or something and he walks in and you see like a golden arm hanging on the wall. <laughs> like a trophy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, that's all the, uh, you know, the lead concept art and stuff for episode seven. We've also got a couple of Lego sets and things that have kind of revealed a little bit more information. Um, and of course this is, uh, you know, back over to making star Wars now. And, um, let's see, they've got like a listing of Lego sets here. Um, and I mean, somewhere there were some pictures of this earlier and they've been you know, pulled offline now, but, um, it's like the listing of the names of the Lego sets with the fig- the uh, character figures that they come with. So, um, I mean, we've got Ray's speeder with Ray and Uncar henchmen. So we don't know what an Uncar henchman is, but <laughs> that's going to be something in the movie. Uh, whether Uncar is like a species or a gang or the name of a crime boss or something. In these, I'm wondering guys if there are those that group of desert bandits that in the Force Awakens exhibit at Celebration. We yeah, saw possibly. Those- desert bandits and different like creatures on Jakku. I wonder if that's going to be like their official name. Yeah. But I feel like there was some other gang name or something that we had heard 
rumored. Um, oh, yeah, okay, so I'm jumping down to the bottom of the list with the Millennium Falcon. It says it comes with Ray, Finn, Han Solo, Chewbacca, BB-8, Tasu Leech, and Kenju Club gang member. So I guess the, the Ken, Kenju Club gang member is different from the Unkar henchmen. Yeah, I wonder if one of them is going to be part of, like, a, in the sequence with Mas Kanata's uh, castle where it's a group, it's like a place where different like gang members and pirates all meet up and there's going to be different factions hanging out there. And then maybe one of them is going to be the Kanjaku club. If I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever that word is and how you pronounce it, that gang is going to be called. So maybe we'll see different versions of pirates and gangs hanging out at Mas Kanata's palace. Yeah, I mean, maybe that one could be from Maskinata's Palace, because obviously with the Unkar henchmen, I'm assuming that's going to be on uh, Jakku if it's yeah. coming with Ray's speeder. So, um, Although, I mean, she could have stowed her, her speeder away in the Falcon, but um, I don't know. Um, yeah, but are, then, are all these characters going to be in the Falcon at one point in the movie? <laughs> like, I'm not expecting so. Because you know how toy packaging has stuff that has nothing to do with what happens in the movie. But yeah, and I don't know who Tasu leeches, but and maybe they're like running from Kanju Club gang members at the beginning of the movie when they first board the Falcon for the first time, and then you know suddenly the Tie Fighters are coming after them too, and they take off for that whole chase sequence. But um, yeah, I don't know. Lots of stuff to, uh, you know, still lots of blanks and gaps to fill in there. But um, aside from that, we've also got First Order Snowspeeder with First Order Snowtroopers and First Order Snowtrooper Officer. Um, First Order Special Forces TIE Fighter with uh, TIE Fighter Pilot, First Order Officer, First Order Ground Crew minifigures. Um, Poe's X-Wing Fighter with Poe Dameron, BB-8, Resistance Pilot, and Resistance Ground Crew. Um, First Order Transporter with Resistance Soldier, Resistance Order Flame Trooper. Might have to get that set just for those guys. Um, First Order Stormtrooper and Captain Phasma. So That is the set to get first. <laughs> you got Captain Phasma in there. That's all you need. Plus, I don't know because the next one is Kylo Ren's Command Shuttle with Kylo <laughs> Ren General Hux, two First Order officers and two First Order crew members. So, um I'm taking the trooper set. <laughs> I, I don't know. I might just have to get all of those. Yeah, you can have the trooper set. I'll take the Kylo Ren. Everybody get the Falcon. Um, yeah. <laughs> Man, I haven't gotten Legos in, <laughs> since I was a little, little kid. I haven't gotten in any of the Star Wars Lego stuff. But I don't know. Maybe seeing these sets will change my mind. Maybe just get a few pieces or something. At least, yeah. at least a Captain Phasma Lego. I might have that. Well, <laughs> yeah, there you go. But at the same time, I'm thinking like, man, my wallet hurts just from thinking about this. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, Lego sets do not come cheap. I've gotten a few over like the past couple years. It's, I guess it's actually been a couple years now since I got these, but I got the, uh, the X-Wing, um, like Luke's X-Wing that came out a couple years ago. I got the Pod Racer set. And then um, I got like the medium scale Millennium Falcon, the like the $50 one, not like the $130 one. Um, but I got all of those on – well, the uh, the X-Wing I actually found on Amazon that just happened to be on sale. It was like a $60 set and one day just happened to be on sale for like 35 or something. And I was like, yep, I'm buying that. Shut <laughs> up and take my money. Um, and then the other two I bought on eBay and just you know went bargain hunting, so – um, yeah, it's been a long time since I paid a 
you know, paid full price for a Lego set like at Target or something because, man, those will, like I said, just punch a hole in your wallet real fast. But they're pretty cool and, you know, usually worth it. So um, I'll probably end up picking up at least one or two of these when the movie comes out. Now, if you had the time and money, would you want to take on the task of putting together that massive Lego Death Star? <laughs> I don't know about the Death Star, but I would totally go for like the Millennium Falcon or the Star Destroyer or something. You know, one of those big collector sets that they come out with that's got like 3,000 or 5,000 pieces or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, you know, the problem is those always cost like $1,500 or yeah. something. And I'm like, heck no. Yeah, like it's not to mention the time it'll take to build it, too. <laughs> well, I mean, if I had the money, I'm sure I would have the time. Like, if if you can afford to buy that thing, then you can afford to take a week off work to build yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know, this, I like how the Death Star looks in Lego form. <laughs> that would be the one I would choose if it's going to go massive. I just love how it looks in Lego. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, I the forgot they, Death Star. yeah, I forgot they did, a like, a big collector version, one of those. Um, I remember the one that was like, you know, $150 or something and had all the little rooms in there, like the emperor's throne room and the trash compactor and stuff. But, um, yeah, I forgot they did like a big collector set. See, my problem with the Death Star, like it's cool and all, but if you're going to build it out of Legos, like at the end of the day, all you've really done is build a 3000 piece, $1,500 ball with a little <laughs> laser dish in it. You know, I would want to build a more complicated ship or something. That's why I think the second Death Star would look better. It's not exactly a ball. <laughs> like, yeah, it looks like a own. ball that somebody took a bite out of. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not an even bite. <laughs> it's a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, man, I, I would totally go for that Falcon that's like to scale with the minifigures and so you could actually fit like all of them in the cockpit and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, if only one of these days. Um and then uh, so you know maybe a week or two after that, um there was some more leak information from a different site listing some different stuff about Lego sets and this is actually from uh either like a French website or magazine or something, but they were listing some upcoming uh, Lego sets and one of them or one of the, the items listed on here it's uh, two sets for The Force Awakens uh, the Pirate Transport and Battle on Tacodonna and so it's like oh well that may have just revealed a, uh, a new planet name um, and of course everybody is now speculating like oh is this the planet that Maz Kanata's castle is on which I think is very possible so um, that could be pretty cool to see Um could also possibly be where Luke is hiding for all we know. I'm just thinking like from that shot in the trailer, um, you know, it looks like he could be in the middle of the desert on Tatooine or Jakku or something like that, but we have no idea where Luke is. So, um, yeah. but obviously, I mean, if this is legit and if this is, uh, actually going to be planted in the movie, there will obviously be a battle there. So, um, that sounds like it could be, uh, you know, the uh, the whole Mascanada castle speculation, I think, could be a, a pretty strong bet there. Yeah, I'm guessing that, too. Especially what we saw in that uh, behind-the-scenes video from Comic-Con with the battle that's taking place there. So it seems to be adding up if the set is called, like, the Battle of Takodana. So yeah, I'm kind of more inclined to think that's what it's going to be. And I think the name's cool, too. It fits in a nice line of Star Wars planets that we got. <laughs> to me, with the planets... You can kind of go as crazy as you want because there are 
different the names sound <laughs> more strange than others would i would think so when it comes to free like uh, naming planets they have free reign where you really can't mess up too bad with a name that sounds too strange where it doesn't fit yeah i mean as much as i was hoping that this was going to be the planet rishi from the old republic because that's a tropical jungle planet with a bunch of forests and stuff and a a whole bunch of pirates and smugglers and scum and villainy. I'm like, that would have fit perfectly. But yeah. <laughs> then again, for all we know, it could be the exact same planet and they could be pulling a Korriban Moriband on That's us. That's true. But, uh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, you know, I spoke too soon. There is one planet that sticks out where I, I can't really buy. It's the planet Stujan, Obi-Wan's homeworld, <laughs> that George Lucas so conveniently named when he was talking to Jon Stewart. Oh, <laughs> right. See, I completely forgot about that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Obi-Wan's from Coruscant. <laughs> <laughs> nope, in all the official like encyclopedia books and everything, it says Obi-Wan Kenobi profile, like homeworld Stujan. <laughs> Wow, I think people took that a little too seriously. Yeah, <laughs> it's there now, though. Um, of course, I don't. Still, the the one name that I can't really get past is Christophsis. For you know that the planet from the Clone Wars, like I love the planet itself, but ever since they first revealed the name of it, I'm like, okay, what kid named Christopher like paid George Lucas <laughs> to put his name in the movie? Uh, I guess that's one of the. Ones that I could see, it's a little out there, but I, I never really had a huge problem with it. But it's not on the level of Stu John, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know; it's kind of close. I'm hoping one day we do see Stu John, though. If it's, if it's <laughs> planet now, I want to see what that planet looks like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, on the list of things that uh, we were planning to discuss on this episode, I did not expect Stu John to be on there. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, when you first brought it up, I'm thinking like, wait, Stygian Prime? Like, is that what you're talking about? That planet from Rebels where they go to rescue Luminara? And then I'm like, oh, no, the Jon Stewart planet. (laughs) I wouldn't screw my name up that bad if I was talking about Stygian Prime. (laughs) Uh, Well, speaking of Jon Stewart, (laughs) I didn't even see this segue coming. Did you you plan this, Tim? I did not plan it, no, but (laughs) it's going to work it out. Because the next thing we were going to talk about is this interview that J.J. Abrams did with Jon Stewart on The Daily Show. Um, The whole thing is pretty entertaining. Uh, If you haven't seen it yet, you should go check it out give it a watch. But obviously the biggest thing, kind of the biggest surprise in here, um, J.J. Abrams talks about the incident where Harrison Ford broke his leg on set. And I don't know how we've managed to go all these months without knowing this, but J.J. Abrams broke his back trying to lift the door that broke Harrison Ford's leg. And... I'm like, man, I'm just glad this didn't end up being a complete and utter disaster because oh, man. Yeah, thankfully, I mean, he didn't like totally snap his back and become paralyzed or something like that. But, you know, he said like he felt OK for a couple of days and then it was, you know, kind of sore and he went to the doctor and they were like, oh, yeah, you broke your back, you, you know, fractured a, one of your vertebrae or something like that. So then he said, you know, for the next few months, he was like walking around with a back brace on like under his shirt so nobody would be able to tell yeah it was funny i was talking about what we saw harrison ford when he came back like nothing happened like oh i feel great and all that and jj's all with the back brace like still trying to hold like get through the pain that he was in that was out his back broken into that back brace but yeah like i said it was a fun story i love hearing jj in these interviews i mean he's just having a great time making this movie and i can't wait for more like 
the press junkets he's going to be at in interviews is good. when he can actually talk about the movie more it's going to be awesome but um i just going back to the whole thing like you said how this didn't turn into a complete disaster with harrison Ford breaking his ankle and jj abrams with his bag it's like i wonder if that went into it more too where they took that two-week hiatus of course for harrison ford but i wonder for jj too just to kind of give him a break also so they can all get fully recovered and come back to film the rest of the movie but like you said Thankfully, it all worked out in the end, and now we can laugh about it and have a good time talking about it. Yeah, I mean, and definitely, like, when when he's talking about it here on Jon Stewart, it's all in good humor, and they're laughing about it and joking about it and stuff, and you're like, oh, that's funny, but that kind of sucks, and, like, man, I didn't even know that happened, and I'm glad he could even, like, walk again and finish directing the movie, but... He's laughing at it, so I can laugh at it. You know? <laughs> I'm curious, though, if any of this stuff's going to make it on any of the special features and like behind the scenes documentary where we won't actually see Harrison Ford like break his ankle and have the door slam on it. But if we'll see like JJ and the crew trying to help lift it up and everything and just kind of see what it was like when that whole ordeal happened. Yeah, I don't know that they would actually show footage from that. I mean, maybe they'd show Harrison Ford like back on set in a ankle cast or something but um and you know i'm sure they'll talk about how it set back yeah. the, the filming so I, I we will definitely hear about that on some of the behind the scenes materials but i wouldn't necessarily expect him to uh or expect to like see any of it happening yeah because i'm kind of picturing how the episode one documentary the beginning was for that crisis on the film where they had the big desert storm and ruined all the sets and pod mm. races where they showed that it's kind of have the same feel where like in the middle of production, something bad happened, and we just get a little bit of a look of what happened on that day when Harrison Ford's leg and ankle or ankle got broken. So, I don't know. We'll see when we get the documentaries. Hopefully, yeah, we'll get documentaries. Well, I, mean, I, I would like to see somebody just pointing out which door it was. Exactly. Because this whole like time, that. I've kind of had trouble picturing, like, how – I mean, was he, like, crouched down or, like, lying down or something or, or – did this, like how did a door come down and then like knock him over and like get him in a position where the door could like come down on his ankle and break it? I don't know, but or maybe we'll actually be able to tell when we see the movie in an action sequence or something. Maybe when him and Chewie are getting on the Falcon again for the first time, trying to take it back, there's some type of sequence where we see something with a door where he's trying to go through, and we go, oh, maybe that's where it happened, where it slammed on, broke his ankle. But yeah, I don't possibly. Know. Maybe he pulled a stormtrooper and like hit his head on it and knocked the door <laughs> loose and then it dropped. I can't see Harrison Ford doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, there was uh, you know that video from um, John Stewart and then J.J. Um, Abrams did another interview like on the red carpet, I think from the Mission Impossible movie with uh, MTV and um, man, this is just kind of gotten out of hand they they ask him some questions in this interview a lot of them are goofy and dumb and you know not even really related to the movie and then one of the questions they ask is does anybody mention midi-chlorians in the force awakens and jj kind of stops and thinks about it for a minute and he's like in episode seven no nobody mentions it and people are posting this all over the web like oh they aren't gonna have midi chlorians in the movie and you know some people are upset and thinking that they're trying to like undo the prequels and blah 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 and i'm like guys chill out if he hadn't have said this in the interview nobody would have noticed it in the movie or cared anyways 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I got some stuff to say about this one. <laughs> well, you can go ahead because, like, that's pretty much all I've got to say. Like, if if he hadn't pointed this out ahead of time, nobody was going to walk out of the theater going, "Man, that movie was cool," but I'm really bummed that they didn't mention midi chlorians. Yeah, and I totally agree with that, and it's to be expected. I mean, we knew from the get-go, and everything we've been hearing is like we're going more to the original trilogy feel. Like that's where we're kind of getting the inspiration from and all that. So to even expect a mention of this, or if anyone had hopes to hearing midichlorians, I think you would have been <laughs> disappointed at the end of the movie that it wasn't mentioned. And this is not a surprise to me at all. And I don't think it should be a big deal, even from just the Star Wars universe story standpoint, because we hear them in the prequels in episode one and three and in the Clone Wars, but we don't hear them at all in the original trilogy. And it works fine. It doesn't take anything away from the purpose they serve in the prequels and just through the force in general at all, it doesn't hurt it. And the fact that episode seven is not going to have it, it's not going to change that either. It's just going to be how it was with the original trilogy. So I just kind of get a little annoyed on both fronts too, where on the one hand you got the prequel fans. I mean, if, would it be cool to hear midi-chlorians in the force Awakens? I think it would be, but at the same time, like I said, not to expect it and you shouldn't be disappointed that it's not. And like you said, some, uh, fans are going, I think, overreacting a little bit, saying it's like a slap in the face of the prequels and JJ's not showing respect to all that. And like he didn't go out of his way in this interview to say that. It was a question that was asked. And all he said was, mm-hmm. no. He didn't say it like in a snobby attitude, like, no, they're not, in, they're not in the movie. He didn't have that attitude at all. Just like, no, they're not in there. So it's kind of, like you said, a little frustrating to hear that reaction from fans saying that. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you got the prequel haters running with this too. Like every side I saw, no midichlorians in The Force Awakens. Like what a relief. Or JJ says no midichlorians. Isn't that good? Like all Star Wars fans will be happy now. It's like, duh. There's like both ends of the extreme where you got the prequel fans being upset that they're not in there. And then you got the OT fans who hate the prequels or being thankful and so glad that they're not. So I don't know. I just get a little frustrated where almost sad in a way that there's Star Wars fans are upset about Star Wars stuff where you should just be so excited about this stuff. And sure, there's things you like and dislike, but just, I don't know, it's just a shame that it comes to that way where Star Wars fans are upset about something with Star Wars. <laughs> it just, I don't know, just makes you feel a little disappointed sometimes where you should be so just looking forward to this and then just wait till you see the actual movie to, instead of mm-hmm. forming your opinions as far as saying where all of it's they're slapping in the prequels in the face. I'm not giving it a chance or I don't want to see it or support it. I mean, it's still Star Wars. It goes both ways. But for people who don't like the prequel trilogy, it's still Star Wars. And another thing I'm worried about where we're going to get another division of fans, the prequel trilogy fans who are going to hate on the sequel trilogy because maybe they don't give reference or acknowledge anything that happens in the prequels and that's going to cause another division. So that's if I'm worried about one thing with the sequel trilogy and with episode seven, that's maybe one of them just causing another split division amongst fans, which would be a shame because I mean, we're living in the golden age here, just more star Wars. And even if we don't get direct references or tie-ins to that stuff, it's not going to affect those prequels place in the star Wars canon. They did happen because I think that's the worrisome fans have too that you hear all this negative talk about it you know, like people like Simon Pegg who always bashes them and he's in the movie and it's kind of making people worry that oh like the prequels are just going to be ignored and they're not going to be considered canon when the people at Lucasfilm and part of the story group know that they are canon and that's what's reassuring to me where knowing that nothing's ever going to happen to them they're here to stay and whether we get 
a lot of nods and references to them. That's, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see on that. But in the end, I think it's all going to fit together so nicely when you watch episode one through nine and then with the anthology films, especially with the story group in place now. They're going to make sure that nothing contradicts with uh, the different stuff that are being told. So, like you said, I just think people need to chill out a little bit. It was just a fun interview, really. I mean, I think it got blown out of proportion with the no millichlorians thing, but it's a really funny interview with JJ and his reaction to those questions about uh, was the holiday special considered canon when making this movie. Just stupid stuff like that. So, if you can get past the whole midi-chlorian thing, definitely check out the interview because it's a lot of fun. And I said my piece. <laughs> we yeah, can move well, on. there you go. Um, I could elaborate on it a little bit more, but I don't think really anything much more needs to be said. Because, okay, I'll say a little bit more. Like, <laughs> they're there. It happened. You know, like, the, the, the midi-chlorians and stuff were introduced in episode one. And so it's it's there throughout all of Star Wars. Like... They're never referenced in the original trilogy, but now we know that's what allows Luke and Yoda and Obi-Wan to use the Force. And so, you know, just because it's not mentioned doesn't mean it's not there. Um, And, you know, Obi-Wan and Yoda never mentioned it to Luke in the original trilogy, so why would Luke need to, you know, feel the need to mention that to Rey and Finn in the sequel trilogy? And especially because a lot of the rumors and stuff that we're hearing point to Luke having not a whole lot of a role in episode seven or, you know, not a lot of screen time at least. And so, you know, he's not going to be like, Oh, Hey guys, I'm finally here. I showed up for the last few minutes of the movie. Now sit down and let me tell you about midi chlorians. Like, no, they've got more important stuff to get to. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Han's going to be talking about that stuff. Too, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, unless he, he, he thinks it's all, I mean, Han thinks it's all hokey religions and ancient weapons. He doesn't know anything about the science behind it. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, if, if Qui-Gon has a surprise cameo somewhere, he was someone I would expect to say it, but I don't think that's going to be happening. So Yeah, I doubt that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we can just move on and put that behind us. Yeah, but check out the video. It's funny. I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really enjoy it all that much, but I think maybe that's because – Anytime I see JJ in an interview or something, I'm looking for like any little tidbit uh. <laughs> of new information about the movie. And I'm like, why are you wasting my time asking him about the holiday special? <laughs> I think it's because that interview would talk to him so much. They look like they have a good relationship, though. He's just like, yeah. okay, for this one time interview, but this instance, I'm just going to try to be have some fun and ask some stupid questions and then get maybe when we're closer to the release i'll get to the like really good stuff yeah well of course that's what everybody's gonna be trying to do closer to the release but um so anyway uh i think that's just about it for the episode seven stuff um and we've got a couple rumors and things like that about the um you know spinoff films and all that um, anthology films Kyle. you gotta start saying anthology, anthology films. right 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 right, right. <laughs> yeah that hasn't caught on yet um, which I like that name anthology films. It's just because we've spent so much time saying spinoff films. Yeah. Um, although, yeah, anthology has a nice ring to it. That's like the official name for these standalone movies instead of just kind of like, Oh, the spinoffs and whatever. And hopefully um, we'll finally be able to start hearing more about Rogue One. Now that Mission Impossible Rogue Nation has come out. So yeah, hopefully we'll start hearing the word anthology and Rogue One a lot more. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, especially because I thought it was weird on that, e- like even on the Star Wars app, they've got the the clock counting down to Force Friday and then Battlefront and then Episode Seven and then Episode Eight, and I'm like, we've got another Star Wars movie coming out in between Episode Seven and Eight, but they didn't put a clock for that one yeah. on there. I know they could at least just put Star Wars anthology film like number one or something <laughs> before yeah. they could start using the word Rogue One. I don't know. I bet in the next update they'll probably put that. Yeah. In. Um, speaking of which, it, it's funny. I saw on Facebook or whatever like a couple weeks ago they've now announced a release date for the next like for the sequel to Jurassic World, which is um, I guess like June 18th or something of like 2018. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's like three years away. And then I realized, holy crap, like between now and the next Jurassic World movie, we're getting four Star Wars movies in that time span. <laughs> Wait, is it four? Isn't it only three? No, it's four because The Force Awakens is coming out this year. Then Rogue One in December 2016, and then they're moving them back to the May release date. So then That's episode like the eight Solo will come out in May 2017, and then the Han Solo movie will come out in May of 2018 before That's Jurassic right, World yeah. comes out. So it's just crazy to think like, okay, that doesn't seem like that far away. And between now and then, there'll be four new Star Wars movies. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so insane, but yet so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, we're going to be just, like, lost in new Star Wars. <laughs> we're going to be so spoiled, man, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Especially the new generation of fans and kids who, like, this is going to be the first exposure to Star Wars fandom, getting Star Wars movies every year. They're not going to know what it's like <laughs> when us older fans have to be patient and wait for new movies and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be, be the old men. So like, see, back in my day. <laughs> back in my day. There were these three movies that came out before I was born, and then I had to wait till I was eight years old to get a new one, and then I had to wait three years for the next one, and three years for the next one, and ten years for the next one after that. Which we didn't even thought we were going to (laughs) get. Yeah, and then, you know, like, by the time we finish telling that story, a new movie will have come out. Yeah, (laughs) maybe two. (laughs) Oh man, it's oh, it's going to be so exciting though. Like once we're actually in the middle of all that. Yep, yeah, we're almost there too. It's almost about to begin. Yep, this is where the fun begins. Oh yeah, <laughs> that might be my title for this episode. <laughs> Except there's eh, there's not that much to talk about on this episode though. But oh, it's, it's, it's Star Wars. There's always stuff to talk about. <laughs> um, like this next thing that we're going to talk about, which is some kind of spy leaked set photos from Rogue One um, from some huge like shed soundstage thing in England Um, and it looks like they might be reconstructing the Masasi Temple from uh, A New Hope that they use as the uh, like the rebel hangar on Yavin 4 Um, which isn't really all that much of a surprise I mean if you're going to have a movie that takes place right before uh, episode four and is about the rebels stealing the death star plans. They probably have their base in a, you know, in the same spot. Although, you know, as I'm hearing myself say that, I'm like, wait, what if in rogue one, their base is on Dantooine and they steal the plans. And then the, the empire like flushes them out of Dantooine. Um, Except, you know, when they stole the plans, that's the whole reason why Vader was hunting for the secret base in the first place. So, 
Um, I don't know, maybe they'll be stationed on Dantooine, steal the plans, move to Yavin so the Empire doesn't know where their new base is. But I don't know. Either way, it makes sense that they would be here on uh, Yavin 4. Yeah, totally. And those set pictures, it definitely has that feel, like you said, where it's the Masasi Temple. And it just makes perfect sense for them not to use it if it's going to be so close to the Episode 4 timeline. And I was thinking on the same lines where it would be cool if we saw them actually discover the Misasi temples and establish their base there instead of it already being their home base and we just see them operating there. I think it'd be cool to see them discover it for the first time. But I didn't think about the Dantooine thing. I think that'd be really cool if they start off there and then by the end of the movie they move over to Yavin 4 and discover the Misasi temple and then they establish themselves there as their base and we know what happens later on. So yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely cool of where it's going to, looks like it's going to be, we're going to see Yavin four again. Yeah. And again, you know, not really surprising, but uh, it would be pretty cool to see that there. Yep. I'm also wondering though, um, because you know, we've heard rumors that uh, parts of the force or yeah, the force awakens are going to be, on Yavin 4 as well. I mean, that would make sense because then they could just reuse a lot of some of the same sets and everything. Um, but if they're building this temple just for Rogue One, then they probably won't be in that same, um, you know, that same building or whatever for uh, The Force Awakens. But Now, will they go... <laughs> this is totally off... Uh, it's just off the, I guess, the standard canon speculation, I guess, if you want to say. Would they dare even establish the history of the Masasi temples as far as like being some part of this, some Sith tombs being in there and all that stuff. Oh, that's our coon and all that. That yeah. would be awesome. <laughs> like, would they even, even consider about like the story group as they're developing Rogue One? Would they even decide to bring that up? If this is in fact where they discover the Masasi temple in that base, I no. highly doubt it. But at the same time, I just wonder if that crosses the minds of like uh, the story group. And then with Gary Witter writing the script and all that, or at least the first draft and with, with John Knoll coming from his story idea. And I know he's probably really familiar with some of the EU stuff, but I don't know. I'm just going to help but think about that. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if some of that makes its way into the canon, but at the same time, I kind of have a hard time picturing them bringing that up in Rogue One, just because we know it's supposed to be more focused just on the rebel fighters yeah. and less on the Jedi and the force and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we probably will see Vader or maybe, I mean, Ugh, just the idea of seeing Vader in live action again is just like giving me chills. But yeah. at the same time, I'm like, but who would play him? And would they still get James Earl Jones to do the voice? And would he still sound the same and all this kind of stuff? But I mean, if they could pull it off, that would just be uh, spectacular. Except then I'm also thinking like, but do you bring Vader in if he's not really going to be like the main villain? Because obviously in Rogue One, they're not going to defeat Vader. Like, that story is already set in stone. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't complain about seeing Vader. He doesn't have to screen. do much in Rogue One for me to get super excited yeah. about it. <laughs> I mean, it could just be a hologram even. And Well, I would still like to see Vader in live action again since we haven't seen him in 10 years since Revenge of the Sith. But, and I don't think they have any trouble getting James Earl Jones back if they were to get him for Star Wars Rebels. So if they do plan on using Vader, I think it'll just be perfect where he fits right into where we expect it to be in A New Hope. And going back to the whole Sith and the Masasi Temple thing, I would just think like maybe as they're discovering the base, it's like a rebel soldier or someone, a part of the crew goes, you know, I heard some crazy rumors that this to be like a Sith 
tomb or where Sith bodies are buried here. It's something like that where mm-hmm. they acknowledge something without showing or really dealing with it too much. Just a little small nod to it, so to say. Yeah, but I think the problem with that is, I mean, maybe this is just you know me as a, a filmmaker talking like those kind of little hints and things like that. You, you I mean, you really want to use those if it's going to be of some service to the story and the movie itself. And so if somebody brings up like, you know, if it's just a rebel soldier kind of casually mentioning to somebody else, like, Hey, I heard there used to be some ancient Sith tombs in here or something. The audience is going to expect that to factor into the movie at some point, Good point. Um, which obviously I don't think it would. And so again, I wouldn't, be surprised if they end up bringing some of that into some story at some point, but I would expect it to be more in like episode seven or episode eight. Um, especially, you know, maybe you have Luke mentioned it or something like that, but, um, yeah, I wouldn't really expect it to be in rogue one. Yeah, that's a good point, but maybe it'll be in the rogue one novelization or something. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Now that, you know, you can mention all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. Um, Speaking of novelizations, this is going to be completely random. We should come back to this at the end of the episode. But did you finish uh, Dark Disciple? No, I'm not. I'm still in the middle. I'm thinking like chapter 16. Ugh, dang it. Hurry up, Tim. I want to talk about it. <laughs> I, it's been really good so far. And I'm kind of pacing myself where like, I want to take my time and enjoy it and not finish it too quick because I really am enjoying it. So it is yeah. real, really good, though. The dynamic between Voss and Quinlan uh, Voss and Asajj Ventress has been great and uh just wish we could have seen it <laughs> with the full in, in the cold wars episode see what those voice actors it just would have been i think a really special arc but uh, that's just my impression in the middle so i can't imagine what i'm going to think when i finish it and find out what happens at the end because it's setting up to be have quite the finish i would think yeah i was kind of trying to pace myself and just enjoying it and then i started enjoying it so much that i read like the whole second half of the book in one day so <laughs> i ended up finishing the whole thing in like a week or so and, uh, yeah, it was uh, really good. And like you said, I mean, just like with any of this Clone Wars legacy stuff, you wish we could have seen it, just the full episodes fleshed out on screen. But I really did enjoy um, getting to read the, the novelization of it. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's some details and especially some of the characters' thoughts and motivations and stuff that I'm thinking about going like, I don't know how they would have made this come across on screen necessarily. Mm. Yeah. Um, just, you know, it, the, the perspective kind of seems to shift back and forth. Like almost every other chapter is either written from Voss's perspective or Ventress's perspective. And you see their thoughts and feelings for each other and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of it, you know, is, is really good and adds a lot to their characters. And I'm like, I'm sure the episodes would have been awesome as well. But some of this stuff just wouldn't have necessarily come across on screen. So, um, yeah, really great read. Um, I know it has nothing to do with what we're talking about at the moment, but I just wanted to bring that up. Oh, because you said something about novelizations, and I was like, oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about the novel, but you haven't read it yet, so get on that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely by our next episode, I'll have it finished. Yeah, and then, you know, hopefully we'll have, uh, you know, we'll give everybody else some more time to finish it, too, so on our next episode, we can get more spoilery with it. Yeah, definitely. But then again, that all depends on how much info they reveal at D23. Cause if we've got like a new episode seven trailer, we'll, we might completely forget to talk about uh dark disciple on our next episode, but we'll see when we get to that point. Um, but anyway, so moving on, uh, we've got one other um, little tidbit about rogue one. 
Um, and this is just another bit of casting unconfirmed news, I guess you could call it. I wouldn't really call it a rumor. Um, but this was on the BBC website, and they're saying that uh, this actor named Jonathan Aris, who's been in Sherlock and uh, another BBC series called Wolf Hall, um, that he is playing a senator, uh, Senator Jebel, I guess, in uh, Rogue One. And this is, it, you know, they got this information from his profile on, I guess, this uh, website called Spotlight, which is like a resume um, site for actors and agents and stuff. Um, and it's listed on here, you know, all official looking, although it says 2015 instead of 2016, but it says feature film, Senator Jebel, Star Wars Anthology, Rogue One. So, um I, you know, again, you know, kind of officially we have to say, like, unconfirmed until Disney or Lucasfilm confirms it. But, I mean, it sounds pretty legit to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, hopefully when the Rogue Nation embargo lifts, we'll get a full cast list of all the rumors we've been hearing the past few months about Rogue One. Yeah, I would hope so. Kind of like the announcement we got with The Force Awakens. Just have just an official announcement with the whole cast list and we'll know for sure (laughs) that all these rumors are coming will come to pass as far as all these actors are supposed to be in it but it's if this actor uh jonathan Harris is in it he'll just be another one to list where i haven't seen anything <laughs> of his past work to judge of his uh acting abilities on but i'm sure he'll be fine if it's just in the center role i wonder how big it's going to be but we'll, yeah, we'll find probably out probably not huge but yeah um, i mean i have to admit i've watched all the episodes of Sherlock and I love that series. I mean, I'm not like a huge diehard fan. I'm not somebody who like watches all of them over and over and over again. Um, you know, I'm not like a a Sherlock fan in the sense that I'm a star Wars fan, but I've, you know, kept up with the whole series, really enjoyed it, but I can't say I remember, you you know, particularly, particularly recall, um, his character or, you know, what he was like in the series or anything. Um, and it's been a while since I watched it. I guess I haven't watched it since season three aired on TV, which was like, I think over a year ago. So I don't know exactly um, what part he played in it or anything, but I mean, for the most part, overall, that show was just really good and all the performances are really good. So I'm sure this guy's going to do fine. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and then also, uh, we've got a rumor from the rap.com that, uh, Benicio del Toro is in talks to play the main villain in star Wars episode eight. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, he's obviously he's a, a, maybe not a huge big name actor. I mean, he's not Brad Pitt or anything, but he's an Oscar winner. He's been in a lot of stuff. So that would be cool to, uh, have him be in Star Wars. I'm sure he'd make a great villain. I guess the only thing you can really sort of glean from this in sort of, uh, in terms of story and all that kind of stuff is, you know, if they're bringing on a big new villain for episode eight, does that mean that, you know, either Kylo Ren, General Hux, or, um, Captain Phasma or Supreme Leader Snoke, like are one of those not going to make it to episode eight? Um, I hope Kylo Ren is still in episode eight. I'd like to see him be the main villain, but I don't know. That's still a ways away. It's kind of too early to speculate about all that. Yeah. I actually thought the same thing when this got a, this rumor got revealed that Benicio del Toro was up for the villain role in episode eight. I was like, uh Oh, that means what villain might bite the dust (laughs) in episode seven. And I think Kylo Ren's going to be safe. I think he's going to be the Darth Vader of this trilogy, but 
uh, I'm worried about Captain Phasma. I got to be honest. <laughs> I don't know if she's going to make it as much as I'd like to, where she'd be the Boba Fett of this new trilogy, where she's not the main villain, but her presence will be there throughout the trilogy. So, and Supreme Leader Snoke, he's, I mean, we're all thinking he's going to be the the main villain, the Palpatine of this trilogy. So you would expect him to be part of it. So maybe it'll just be General Hux who uh, gets it in The Force Awakens. But I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Captain Phasma doesn't make it either, as much as it pains me to say that. <laughs> but I thought the same thing. And like you said, Benicio Del Toro is a respected actor. So to have someone like him in a Star Wars movie, I think would be cool. And as a villain too. So... Well, like I said, it's going to be a while till we get that episode eight casting announcement. So we'll yeah. have to sit on this one for a while. Yeah. Again, any episode eight rumors, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, that's cool, but I'm not getting super excited for that yet because uh, we got something else coming up in four months here that, you know, we don't have to wait till like 2017 to find out about. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then let's see. So we've covered, you know, episode seven, the anthology films, episode eight. Um, and then, uh, we've also got some rumors from cine links about a possible, uh, or possible multiple star Wars Netflix series coming. Um, and, you know, of course you've heard rumors and speculation and stuff for months and years, even about, uh, star Wars live action series and, you know, there was the stuff with George Lucas way back when, and then when Disney took over, you know, there were rumors that, oh, maybe this might come back up now and it could be on ABC or something. Um, and now kind of the, the speculation here is that they're working on possibly up to three series right now and that it's not going to be on network TV, but that it would be on Netflix after, you know, the success of Daredevil and The Clone Wars on Netflix and just all the other series that Netflix is pumping out right now. Um, so again, I mean, pretty exciting stuff here, nothing really to sort of get into like story-wise or anything like that. And that, I mean, even if this is happening, um, it's still probably a ways off. We probably wouldn't see any of these series till like 2017 or 2018 or something like that. Um, but I mean, I've seen a lot of people speculating about like what kind of things they'd want to see a, a Netflix series about and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, there's tons of areas ripe for, um, you know, telling all kinds of stories in that format. So, um, I mean, lots of really cool possibilities there. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for it. But before I say any more of what I think of and speculate on the Netflix series, I'm going to read an email we got from our friend Brian Bailey, who chimed in on the whole Netflix rumor. He says, hey, Tim and Kyle, it's been far too long since I sent an email. But if the reports are true, what era in live action storyline would you like to see on Netflix? After seeing the amazing work Marvel did with Daredevil this year, I'm super excited to what Star Wars can do on Netflix. My favorite episodes of Daredevil are centered around developing a strong villain in the Kingpin. The Inquisitor S. Suicide in Episode 2 and Fist's origin story in Episode 8 sure do go a long way. Netflix could give us a darker, grittier Star Wars than we've ever seen before. This begs for a Rogue Squadron, Top Gun slash BSG, I assume that's Battlestar Galactica, but I may be wrong, yeah. <laughs> mashup or a Bounty Hunter Underworld. What do you think? Would a Star Wars TV show need to have elements of the Force? Can't wait to hear your thoughts. But thanks for the email, Brian, as always. And man, my speculation went a little crazy with <laughs> this idea of Star Wars series on Netflix. Because like you said, Brian, Daredevil was awesome. It's probably the more the darkest and grittiest thing uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they put out. So I don't know if they'd want to go the same way with Star Wars. It does make sense where we've heard so much about that Star Wars Underworld TV show. 
set to focus on like bounty hunters and on like the criminal underground organizations. So that would make sense if they finally took those scripts that they have written and been sitting on the shelves for so many years to put those in develop, development and make a Netflix series out of that. But the thing I think would be really cool, and I got to give props to one of our uh, Twitter followers on this, um, Habit Storm at The First Rebel. We were talking a little bit on Twitter when this news and rumor kind of came out where how awesome would it be to get an Obi-Wan 13-episode miniseries like that? And we all heard the rumors and speculation how cool it would be for an Obi-Wan standalone film. But after talking about it and thinking about it, I would think a Netflix-type series may be even better because if you don't want to go full-on like Jedi and Force powers and stuff that maybe might blow the budget up for a, a TV series, that would be for a movie. But with Obi-Wan on Tatooine, you can do so much stuff. You wouldn't be doing like have a bunch of lightsaber battles with Sith and all that. And he'll probably use his Force powers a little bit. But on Tatooine, there's so much you can do that maybe you couldn't explore in just a two-hour movie. I mean, like, he can have episodes with dealing with Tusken Raiders or trying to help out moisture, moisture farmers from raids by Tuscan Raiders or dealing with bounty hunters and the huts and the criminal organizations. You can have episodes center on all those different things. And at the same time, too, the main focus is him watching over Luke and maybe having dealings with Owen Lars and just getting in trouble with him and seeing their relationship develop. So I think that lends itself to be perfect for a Netflix series. So... I'm kind of on the fence, well, not on the fence, I'm kind of more leaning towards where I'd rather see that than just the standard Obi-Wan movie, because you could do so much more with it. Of course, you'd have to get Ian McGregor to do it, <laughs> otherwise oh, yeah. it won't be worth it. So, But yeah, I'm excited for that possibilities, and you can do so much, but that would probably be the top of my list for things I'd really want to see. Yeah, I think you know, that's definitely a cool possibility. Um, I mean, to answer Brian's question about like, do you think a Netflix series ha- would have to have the Force in it? No, not at all. Not if they're going to be doing three different series. Um, not every one of those has to have a Jedi in it. I'm sure there'd be some great opportunities to do, um, you know, at least one of them be about a, a Jedi or something like that. I mean, you guys know me. I would love to see a series set sometime in the Old Republic time period. And again, whether it's a completely new story that just takes place somewhere on that era or whether it's like a, a mini series adaptation of the video game with Darth Revan and Darth Malik and all that kind of stuff. I, I would just love to see something set during that time period. Um, I mean, a, a live action version of Darth Revan and HK 47 would make me like the <laughs> happiest star Wars fan on the planet. Um, but I think there's also plenty of room to do, you know, maybe like you said, do the the Star Wars Underworld series that they've already got scripts and stuff written for. Uh, maybe do a, a Rogue Squadron type thing or something else focused on you know Rebel soldiers during the the Galactic Civil War. Or even though we already got, I mean, even though the Clone Wars was such a long running thing, I you know part of me still would love to see a live action Clone Wars series. Mm. Um, and I think I even read like an interview with George Lucas at some point where at some point along in the Clone Wars, it was like the micro series was kind of just a test to see if the 3D series was going to work. And then the 3D series was just kind of a test to see if the live action series could work. And that at some point he had been thinking about doing a live action Clone Wars series. Um, now, I mean, the tricky part there is, you know, do you bring back like 
Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor. And I know a lot of fans wouldn't want to see Hayden Christensen come back. And I'm sure they would have a really hard time getting Natalie Portman back with, you know, all the stuff that she's done since then. So, um, I mean, I don't know if that would work out with the main characters, but one thing I was thinking is I would love to get a Netflix series that resolves Darth Maul's storyline from the Clone Wars. Um, because again, that's like a huge dangling thread right now. Um, pretty much the only big dangling thread from the Clone Wars, aside from maybe like Cad Bane, um, because we know that Ahsoka and Captain Rex are coming back in Rebels. Um, but I don't know. Darth Maul's kind of in this weird predicament where you can't just leave him hanging. Like we have to find out what happened to him, but at the same time, bringing him into a movie or something like wouldn't really make sense because I think for a lot of people who haven't seen the Clone Wars, that would just be confusing. And they're like, wait, what? Obi-Wan killed this guy in episode one. Why is he back? Or it would just like take away from the other stories that they're trying to tell. So, I mean, I don't know what the best way is to wrap up that storyline, but I mean, to, to be able to see that in a Netflix series, that would be awesome. I mean, even I'm wondering if they could maybe do another animated series um, just for Netflix that could maybe yeah. be a little bit I, I mean, like a, a continuation of Clone Wars even heck um, because you know then you can do stuff on Netflix and you're not restricted by like the the network you know uh, Disney XD and all that kind of stuff that you that you're working with with uh, Star Wars Rebels and things like that I mean I love Rebels but you can definitely tell it is more kid friendly and if they wanted to do an animated series that went back to sort of the clone wars style of decapitating people and all that kind of stuff you know you could do that on netflix easily so um i don't know like we said totally ripe with possibilities there and there's lots of awesome stuff they could do but um i'm i'm pretty excited for this because again it's one of those things that it's far enough away that I'm not like super excited for it right now. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see this. I'm like, okay, I'll just wait and see what they end up coming up with. But I do kind of get the feeling that Netflix is a great area to branch out and explore more areas of, um, you know, not the EU necessarily, but what would have been the EU previously, you know, other areas besides just like stuff related to the main movies and stuff like that. Cause even with the anthology films, you know, we know one of them is going to be about Han Solo. One of them is going to be about the rebels that steal the death star plans. And so those are all going to be pretty closely tied to, um, the, the main saga episodes and kind of just expanding on that storyline. Um, whereas, you know, if they were going to do like a Knights of the Old Republic or a Darth Bane or anything like that, like I think Netflix would be the place to do it. So can't wait to see what they come up with for that. Second on my wish list, a Captain Phasma 13 episode series. (laughs) (laughs) How did she get that armor? How did she get her rank to captain? All that stuff could be revealed there. (laughs) It could, if she ends up being as awesome as a character as you've uh, already determined her to be. <laughs> yeah. I, I better not walk out of there. Oh, so disappointed in Captain Phasma. I don't think that's going to be the case. But. Oh, no, I don't think so. Um, but the other thing that would be cool too, I was just thinking if they did do a live action Clone Wars series, um, I think an awesome way to do that would maybe even be like a Republic Commando type series. Oh, where, man. You know, <laughs> just like a 13 episode miniseries focusing on a squad of clone troopers trying to take over a planet or something. And then you could even show 
you know, a lot more of like the, the detail and the grittiness of, you know, just like how a, a war in the Clone Wars would have been. Because, I mean, obviously you can't go into like a, a whole lot of detail with that in the animated series, especially when they're doing things in like three and four episode story arcs. Um, but a lot of times in the Clone Wars, it's like they'd win one battle on a planet and then be like, okay, we took over the whole planet. And it's like, wouldn't there be separatists like on other parts of the planet that could still fight back? And like, you could do, like I said, a, a mini series on Netflix where it's just 13 episodes of the Republic trying to conquer one planet. Um, so, I mean, that could be, that could be really cool to see as well. I might have to add that to my wish list right after the, the old Republic stuff. But I mean, more than anything, I just want to be surprised and see some, some cool new stuff that's not necessarily directly tied to the movies. Like I would be disappointed if they made three Netflix series and they were about like Chewy Lando and Wedge Antilles. I'm like, come on, that's what they're already doing with like the comics and the stand, the anthology films and all that kind of stuff. So let's, let's branch out a little bit more here. Yeah, I would agree. And another perfect one for that, a D-Squad series. I mean, how cool would that be? <laughs> Tim, you just had to go and kill the mood, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? The return of Gascon and Wagon. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I mean, I'm talking about Republic Commando, and then you said D-Squad, and I thought of Delta Squad, and I'm like, that's what I was just talking about. Oh, that D-Squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. You really can't make too many comparisons, but those two squadrons besides the knee <laughs> no not at all <laughs> both would be awesome <laughs> well heck i mean if if you put r2d2 alongside delta squad then you've got like the most unstoppable fighting force ever because you've got like the elite soldiers and then r2 who's just like the most resourceful little bucket of bolts ever <laughs> but um not to mention practically indestructible because like I've gone on this tangent before, but Darth Vader, who's, you know, he's shooting TIE fighters and Y-Wings and stuff, and they're blowing to pieces, and then he shoots R2 in the top of the dome, and they're able to salvage him later. Yeah, not but, to mention what happened to him in the D-Squad R2 <laughs> at the end of the that last episode. Oh, well, yeah, that too. R2 is just like, he's got the strongest plot armor of any character. Yeah. <laughs> plot armor? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Nothing stronger. Nope. When a character lives because the story says they have to live. <laughs> Is that an item you can get in the Old Republic plot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> it should be the one where it's like invincible or you'll never die again in the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think we've covered pretty much all the, the rumors and stuff surrounding the upcoming films. Um, pretty cool bit of news for the existing movies. They're coming out with a new series of uh, steelbook case uh, Blu-ray packaging for uh, the original Star Wars saga, um, which is coming out October 13th. Um, and I guess this is all coming in one big package with uh, Darth Vader on the cover, but then each of the individual movies is in um, its own cool little like steelbook packaging and it's got Darth Maul for episode one, Yoda for episode two, Grievous for episode three, Vader for episode four, a stormtrooper for episode five and Palpatine for episode six. So, um, man, definitely something cool for collectors or for anyone who doesn't have the saga on Blu-ray yet. 
Um, I mean, if I didn't have it, I would definitely be picking it up in the, in this packaging, but when I already have it and it doesn't come with any new features or anything, it's just going to be like, Oh, I want that, but I don't want to spend the money on it. <laughs> you see, I have the Blu-rays already and I'm still thinking about getting this. One. Well, of course <laughs> you are. Don't you have like five sets of the DVDs or something? Exactly. It's like I've double purchased so much <laughs> on these movies <laughs> between VHSs and DVDs, like, I should do the same on Blu-ray, but uh, it, it really is hard to justify a purchase when there's really no new content besides those steel cases. So, But, man, I love how those cases look. But yeah. the one thing is that Yoda feels so out of place. <laughs> you got all the covers of all the villains of the movies. But then for episode oh, two, true. you got Yoda. <laughs> it's like they could easily put Jango Fett on there and it'd be a seamless like fit for all the movies connecting with each other. Yeah, why didn't they do that? I know. I was like, is Yoda a bad guy then? <laughs> I mean, I didn't even think of that until you pointed it out. And now I can't like think about anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why is Yoda there in the middle of, I don't know, he, he, he snuck in. Yeah. I sent the tweet out as a joke, like, maybe Yoda is going to be revealed in The Force Awakens to be the villain all along. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, these look gorgeous. I love these cases. I think my favorite probably be grievous there's something about that pose and just have the artwork for him i think this looks really cool yeah and i i totally agree i mean of all the characters on these packages like grievous is probably my least favorite character except for maybe the the standard stormtrooper um not that i don't like grievous it's just he's not as cool as vader or maul or yoda or palpatine but um i don't know i i will say though that emperor palpatine artwork for return of the jedi that is pretty cool as well yeah. i mean it's it's freaking creepy but exactly, just like yeah. perfectly <laughs> captures the essence of that character yep exactly uh man i want him now <laughs> yeah and i like the the dark mall one for episode one that is pretty awesome as well um, i can't help but think too like this is almost a wasted opportunity in a way where they could have put some like sneak peek at the force awakens in this set to get more people just to buy it because of that. I mean, they've done that before with some of the DVDs and VHS releases. I'm kind of curious why they didn't do that again. Cause I'm, it probably definitely would have worked on me for it to be in a, a must buy if they added some new content where a sneak peek at the force awakens or something. Well, they, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Um, I mean, it doesn't come out till October. So I think there's still maybe time for them to announce that later down the line, but I don't know if it would be something where, you know, it's, it's on one of the discs or it would be like you buy this and you get a code to access some exclusive video online or something. I don't know exactly how they would do that, but I hate that. Just put it on the disc. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, that would be a way that they could include something exclusive to get you to buy it without having to like reproduce the discs and they can just, you know, repackage the same old discs. That's true, yeah. And I remember they did that for on the episode one DVD that had a sneak peek for the second teaser trailer, the episode two one, I think it was called Mystery. And, and it took forever just to log in to, to whatever website or server they had for it to get that trailer. It took forever. It was like 2001. So it wasn't <laughs> how the internet is today. <laughs> So that, that's that kind of why I'm turned off on those like just links and like stuff to go to a site and do it. Like just put it on the disc. So yeah. much easier. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Um, like I said, there's still maybe time before that comes out for them to announce something special for that. But either way, some definitely some really cool packaging here. If you haven't seen these images yet, you should uh, you guys should check these out. 
Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and then um, also there was, I guess, a Star Wars, like the official Star Wars Rebels magazine that came out recently actually revealed the face of that female Inquisitor from the uh, the season two trailer that a lot of us had speculated was Barriss Offee. Um, now you can see the face of this character and it doesn't look exactly like Barriss, especially because she doesn't have the, the, uh, tattoos and stuff, but, um, I'm like, I don't know. She still kind of has the same skin tone and all that and does have some kind of tattoos or markings on her face. So, um, I don't know. It, it could still be Barriss. I'm not like desperately clinging to the theory that like, oh no, it's definitely her, but um, I don't know. We'll just kind of wait and see. I don't think they revealed a name or anything along with it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out when we get there, I guess. Yeah. I'm still thinking it's Barris. I mean, I've seen some people say it kind of, Oh, it shows that it's not and something. Yeah, it is. I'm kind of more in the camp that, yeah, it is going to be Barris. Cause I mean, think about it. She was still like the age of Ahsoka, kind of like late teens in the Clone Wars. So she grew up from that time, which is, what, about 15 years after the Clone Wars, so she's going to look somewhat different like Ahsoka does, and like you said, the only thing that, for me, really throws off is the tattoos, where it's not in mm-hmm. the same position as it was in Clone Wars, so maybe she just had them changed when she became the Inquisitor, and like I said, the skin tone's the same as how Barris was, and I think her face looks enough like her, or just, she just got older, so I still think it's going to end up being her, but like you said, we'll just have to wait and see for sure. I'm, oh yeah, no, I, I definitely think the face looks close enough. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think when I first saw the image, I was like, oh, look, it's Barris. Oh, wait, maybe it's not, but it still could be. So I'm just kind of in between. Like, I'm not definitely proclaiming that it is, but also for people who are like, oh, well, now we know it's not. I'm like, I wouldn't be so sure about that. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right. Well, now, folks, we've come to the fun part of the episode where Tim and I get to rant about how excited we are for Star Wars Battlefront. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, because we've had, since our last episode, we've had a couple new game modes revealed. Um, first of all, they revealed this blast mode, which is basically the team deathmatch. We had already seen the Walker Assault, where it's like the massive 20v20 battles with walkers and starfighters and ATSTs and all this kind of stuff. Um, the blast mode is going to be like a smaller thing where they're going to have smaller maps. It's going to be 10 on 10, no vehicles or anything. And it's just like straight up old fashioned team death match. Um, you know, kill more of the other team before they kill more of you and all that kind of stuff. So this looks like it'll be, you know, probably something fun. I don't think they released any gameplay footage of this. And, you know, obviously from the, uh, the other stuff we've seen, this is probably going to be the same kind of gameplay where it's rebels and stormtroopers running around shooting each other. Just like I said, without the, uh, walkers and vehicles and all that kind of stuff. And I think they said no heroes in this mode either. So yeah. this is just, you know, straight up run around and shoot the other team. Um, but again, you know, it's going to be fun just to have some variety there. Um, although I don't know that I could ever get tired of doing the, the walker assault mode, um, just like the bigger, the better, in my opinion, for Star Wars battles. But I'm sure these death matches are going to be fun as well. Yeah, and like you said, it's just great to have more variety. And what's cool about this mode, too, I mean, it seems like they're harking back just to classic Battlefront gameplay that we got from the first two games, where it's just like whoever gets 100 kills first or whoever has the most within a 10 minute time frame. But what's cool about this one to me is that, like you said, it is going to be in more closed, small quarters uh, level maps. But 
it's, of course, they're going to be it's the planets that we're getting. We're like on Tatooine, Solus, and Endor, but they're going to be different from what we're going to play on like uh, the Walker Assault mode, where they're going to be like instead of on Hoth, you're going to be in like ice caves on Hoth and stuff like that. Just different areas and different uh, terrains of the planets that we're playing on in the other modes. So I think that's cool. Where they're making specific maps set on the planets, but yet they're going to be different from what we're playing before. It's not going to be where just a smaller group of players to play against, but yet you're still in the same same large map. So the fact that it's going to look different and be smaller in close quarters, I think that's going to be make for some crazy fun battles. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, so I'm absolutely. getting a little worried that when we talk about it on Twitter with our friend Paul, you guys keep talking about being on the Rebels, and I'm feeling left out where I want to be on the Imperials. Am I going to be fighting you guys just by myself as a, an Imperial Stormtrooper against the Rebel soldiers? Um, see, as far as like ground battles, I don't necessarily have a preference, especially for um, you know a, a team deathmatch like this, because um, I'll just be you know, running around blasters blazing on both sides. Um, for the Walker Assault, I'm definitely going to want to play both sides of that because, I mean, I love the Imperial Walkers, and I'm going to want to get to be in an AT-AT and blast some rebel scum to kingdom come. But <laughs> it's also going to be fun to fly around in a snowspeeder and try to take them down, and I'm going to want to get to play as Luke and Vader. Um, but then when it comes to, like, the aerial battles and stuff... Yeah, I'm sorry. We're we're going to be teaming up against you. I'll take an X-wing <laughs> over a Tie Fighter any day of the week. Uh, as long as we're not just focused on just being rebels only. If I can handle split matches where we get to switch off, but yeah, it's going to be hard for me to shoot stormtroopers, and I'm not going to be happy about this. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. We we'll be on the rebels. You can be on the uh, the imperial side, and then you can just be. Um, it, you know, accurate and uh, cannon and just miss us. <laughs> <laughs> well, well not how, accurate, I guess, but you know, <laughs> going off past experience of how poorly I do on online shooters, that's probably going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I am slightly worried about this. Like I've, I guess I haven't, I don't think I've ever played any of the battlefield games. Um, I'm like really good at star Wars battlefront too, but I'm a whole lot less good at like halo and call of duty and that kind of stuff online. I mean, once I play for a while and get some practice and stuff, especially with halo, like I'm decent. Um, you know, I, I can get my kills and deaths to be around the same number, but I'm rarely ever that guy that's got like 20 kills and six deaths and, you know, is yeah. leading the team in points. Um, but that's because I've just never spent a whole lot of time on those games. And with Battlefront, I get the feeling that, like, if I'm terrible at first, I'm just going to keep playing it until I'm, like, top ten in the world or something. Okay, maybe not that good, but, um, you know, if I suck at it, I'm just going to practice till I don't suck at it. Yeah, well, hopefully when we're playing together, we get on some good teams when we're playing team modes that will be able to complement each other enough where we could win those matches and just not lose every single one. <laughs> yeah, and if we do keep losing ma match after match, then that's what the, the offline, you know, the, the missions are for. Mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll go and play some Tatooine survival co-op and beat uh, AI stormtroopers. That's still my most anticipated mode, I know. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one who feels that way, but I just I love survival modes. Wait, general. really? Like, that's your most anticipated mode after the next one we're about to talk about? Um, uh, okay. Maybe as of yesterday it was. <laughs> I'm not going to say it got pushed down. Maybe they're even, but yeah, because I just love survival stuff and shooters. It just, 
especially when you get further and further in the waves and just get crazy of enemies you have to fight off. That's where it gets really fun. So I'm just yeah. hoping the same thing with Battlefront. It's going to be like that. Yeah, but, I mean, that's, yeah, that, that is pretty fun next, too. But... It's going to be pretty darn crazy and fun too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I love those survival modes, but I mean, if it's just going to be straight up shooting at people, like I'd rather be trying to take down other uh, you know players on the other team um, as opposed to just waves after wave of AI. But either way, I mean, that's all going to be fun. So like we said, at E3, they got the, uh, the Walker Assault and the survival modes. Then they announced this team deathmatch mode a couple weeks later. And then just this past week with Gamescom going on over in Germany, uh, they released the fighter squadron mode with, uh, just these massive 20 on 20, uh, aerial dogfights. Um, it's 10 players per team with an additional like 10, uh, AI bots. But, um, man, I mean, the trailer for this just looks so awesome. And for anyone who was kind of disappointed about the lack of space battles in this game, this is basically the same thing. Like, for all intents and purposes, this could be space battles. I think they just wanted to make it more visually interesting in how you're flying over the planets rather than, um, you know, just out in space with, like, nothing out there. Um, and... I mean, part of me still kind of wishes there were space battles or that we could fight like over the Death Star or something like that. But um, I mean, just from this one trailer that they showed, which is like two minutes of gameplay over the planet Sullust, it looks like it's just going to be so awesome because some of it is like so high above the planet that it's just sky. And then some of it, you know, you go down towards the ground and you're dodging and weaving between like turrets and mountains and canyons and all this kind of stuff. So um, man, this is just going to be so cool. And it's got like, so for the, the rebels, you've got X wings and a wings. And for the Imperial side, you've got tie fighters and tie interceptors. And then just like you've got Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader as the, the playable hero characters. Um, you can also like fly around, pick up power-ups on the map and there's a hero power-up, um, and you basically get to fly the hero ship and on the rebel side, you get to fly the millennium Falcon on the Imperial side, you get to fly slave one, which is probably one of my favorite ships in star Wars too. I mean, I love the Falcon, but slave one, for some reason, I just love the sound of those guns. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and the engines too. I mean, the design is pretty cool. I like the look of the ship, but slave one might have my favorite sound effects of any star Wars ship for both the, the engines and the laser cannons. It's just like, Oh snap. Boba Fett's here to wreck some people, man. How cool. I hope it has that. What if it has the seismic charges that. They oh my do? gosh. Yes. <laughs> Somehow I doubt it will just cause that would be so overpowered. But, but that's the point of these hero ships. They're supposed to be overpowered at that. Well, like, right, you have to build I mean, up to it or something. It, it seems like they're doing a lot to sort of balance out. Like, for example, um, TIE fighters aren't supposed to have proton torpedoes. But I'm pretty sure, like, all the ships in this in this mode are going to have missiles. You know, the X-Wings and the TIE fighters. And I think the A-Wings and the TIE interceptors, too. Because people would complain that it's unbalanced if the, you know, the X-Wings had missiles and the TIE fighters didn't. Even though... I mean, I was thinking, like, you could just maybe make the, the TIE Fighters a little bit faster and make their lasers do a little bit more damage to kind of compensate. But I think it's, you know, it makes sense from a gameplay perspective to to have stuff like that. Um, so unless the Millennium Falcon's going to have seismic charges, too, um, 
you know, I think maybe both of those ships will just have some sort of like slightly more powerful missiles or something like that. But um, man, either way, I, I just cannot wait to get my hands on this. And from what we've seen so far, like, I'm just going to have a hard time deciding what to play first in this game. <laughs> I know, right? Because <laughs> I could probably spend all day playing the fighter squadrons, but I got to do some Walker Assault and some Team Deathmatch too, and stuff that we haven't even seen yet. Like, they haven't announced all the game modes yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that even though there was some initial kind of hesitation or, or uh, I guess doubt from a lot of people once they said like there's only going to be four planets and there's not going to be space battles and there's not going to be clone wars and people were like oh this game is going to suck and it's not going to have any content and then they're going to just try to make a bunch of money you know selling DLC afterwards but more and more like we still haven't seen a ton of stuff but the stuff that we have seen just continues to impress oh man it sure does I mean probably sounding like a broken record here but how just how gorgeous does this game look? I mean, yeah, man, we got excited just when the EA Star Wars Twitter account showed like a 10 second preview of this trailer that we got, and that looked awesome. Yeah, when we saw the whole thing, man, this is gonna be crazy to just be able to play what we're seeing in these trailers because they keep saying and they said that game com- Gamescom too, where it's running off a PS4 engine. Like, this is what it's gonna be when you're playing it. So, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be so cool. I just can't wait to be in that moment where you're in a ship, regardless which one you're in. And that's another thing I like about this, too. I mean, 10 versus 10 is cool enough, but the fact that they're going to have bots in there, too, just to make it more crazy. I mean, I just can't wait to get that Return of the Jedi moment where you get a bunch of TIE fighters just flying across the screen to get over your cockpit. That's just going to be so cool. And then just to go out and start shooting them down or vice versa when you're on the Imperial side protecting your shuttles. So, man, I just can't wait for it. It just looks so, so good. Like yeah. I said, the thing about not getting space battles yeah it's disappointing but i mean this is going to shaping up anyway this trailer made it look like where it's not going to be that big of a loss if we get smoes like this on the different planets i mean i just love how you're just high up in the sky then you can just go down and like fly through the canyons of the planets that you're on what we saw here with solace where like an a-wing chasing a tie fighter just looks so so good and then you're throwing the hero ships the falcon and slave one oh man it's gonna be so cool <laughs> like you said it is gonna be hard to pick which one you want to play first but <laughs> you, no matter which one you choose it looks like it's gonna be fun no matter what so i just love how you you're just talking about who before where it sounded like we weren't getting a lot of content, but slowly as we're getting closer to the release, we're getting new game modes revealed and this is sounding really fun and just adding more and more to the excitement that we've already had for this game before. And with each new mode, it just amps it up even more. So can't imagine what it's going to be when we get the next mode and more stuff revealed in the next few months. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of get the feeling that and I mean, I could be wrong, but I kind of get the feeling that Walker Assault and Fighter Squadron are going to be like the two big ones mm-hmm. that everybody's going to want to play. And I'm totally fine with that. Like with a, with a variety of maps and planets and stuff, I could just play these two game modes all day. Um, but, you know, I'm sure they've got some more surprises in store with some of these other game modes that they're doing. I have to say, I, I changed my wallpaper, my, my background wallpaper on my computer for the first time in like at least a couple months. Cause I used to just have this image of Kylo Ren on there. Um, for a while I had a bunch of images of like star Wars and some other movies and stuff that I liked. And I had it set to like rotate once every hour. It would just pick a random new image. But then I just found this really cool image of Kylo Ren's mask had that as my wallpaper for like a couple months. And last night I saw that, uh, 
the EA Star Wars page had posted some new uh, wallpapers from this Battlefront trailer. And so I downloaded like three of those and was like, okay, I'm going to have to pick a new wallpaper here. And then I couldn't decide like between the three, but I finally settled on one and it's this image of, uh, it's like from inside the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon and you see like an X-Wing flying past you and there's a couple TIE interceptors flying right at you. And then, you know, you see like the volcanic solace landscape below you and a Star Destroyer off in the background and it's just like so cool. That's another thing that would be awesome. What if you get to like do an assault on a Star Destroyer? I mean, how cool would that be <laughs> trying to take See, one of those down? I would love that. But I think, at least for now, they're probably just going to focus on like the dogfighting battles. Unless there's some other space, uh, an- another aerial battle mode that we haven't heard about yet where it is more like objective-based. Um, you know, we don't know how that's going to go. I mean, it would be awesome if you could do something like that where you have to take down a capital ship or something. But... Um, they said for this mode, it's just going to be um, the the first to 200 kills for your team. Um, but then they also have objectives where, you know, you've got like a shuttle or something that you're trying to protect. Um, and they said that kind of adds to it. Like if you, you, you know, take out the enemy shuttle or something that gives you bonus points, which I'm guessing maybe that'll be worth like five or 10 kills or something. Yeah, actually, um, um, I just read, I think Game Informer had like a hands-on preview of it. That kind of broke down the point system where it's like uh, bots get you like one point for your like one kill point and three for like a human control, the player controlled ship. And then I think it was like five or ten something for a shuttle that you take down. So okay. it is going to have like the different brackets of points that you get. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, one thing you were talking to about how uh, maybe the ships might be kind of the same. Um, that same Game Informer hands on preview, that was actually kind of one of the negatives they had on it where it is. Where like if you're controlling the next wing, it's you're pretty much the same thing. It's, the controls are going to be the same for a Tie Fighter. There's really not much variety in it. But I guess that would only be a complaint if you're more like a sim, like sim flight player, where like X Wing versus Tie Fighter and those old PC games. But to me, it makes sense for the Battlefront game what they're trying to go for because I'm sure they want to make it as simple as possible to kind of so every type of Star Wars fan can play it and be comfortable with it. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I just think it's going to. As long as the controls are easy and simple and you have fun with it, that's all I'm looking for for this mode and just the rest of the game. But I was a little concerned about how the controls of the ships are going to be because I know Battlefield doesn't have the best track record for that as far as simplistic and easy to use controls for their vehicles. So kind of glad to hear that it is a little more simplistic and that it's kind of be universal for no matter what ship you're going to play. It's just going to make it more easy for fans to get into. Oh, yeah. And I mean... Even the uh, the old Star Wars Battlefront games, like an X-Wing didn't control any differently from a TIE Fighter, so I wouldn't necessarily expect that to be the case. Um, but from one hands-on preview I was reading, um, they did say there's like a slight variation in uh, in the, sh- the ships on the different sides in the sense that like I think the Rebels, like all the ships get power-ups that you can use. Um, and for the rebels, their power up is a shield boost. Yeah, and for right. the imperials, their uh, power up is a speed boost. So um, there will be a little bit of a difference between the two teams, but not really anything that's going to probably affect the balance of it too heavily. Um, the other thing I thought was really cool, though, is um, they said that while you're flying, you'll be able to adjust like the the amount of power that you send to. I think it's like either your your thrusters or your laser cannons. Um, and you can kind of balance your power between the two. So 
Um, I guess your blasters are like on a cooldown, so you know you can only continuously fire for a certain amount of time. And so if you add more power to the cannons, you can fire for longer. But then if you add more power to the engines, you can you know fly faster or use your boost more often or something like that. Yeah, so there's definitely going to be more like stuff to make you have a little advantage over the other ships that you're playing. But I kind of heard Red 2 in the hands-on preview that I was reading where some of those like either power-ups that you could try to get or stuff to have your ship cool down if if you're using it too much, they're kind of spaced out where they're hard to get. So where you're trying to get one, you're probably going to crash more than you are to get it. So <laughs> yeah. it should be interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, there are the power-ups, but then there's also you just have the ability to control like how much power you're sending to your your engines or your blasters just within the ship and that's not like yeah so it's like if you're going to overuse it but think you can easily get it it might not work that way (laughs) yeah so i i will definitely be uh maneuvering through some tight canyons trying to find that millennium falcon power up so i'll be looking for the slave one (laughs) although yeah i was gonna say like that's gonna be a big incentive for me to play on the imperial team is to to try to get to play as Slave One, and although I'm maybe not the biggest fan of just like the uh, the regular Tie Fighters, I do really like Tie Interceptors. So, mm. um, yeah, and of course, is you know, once the game comes out, I'm just gonna have to try everything and play both sides, and you know, do everything at least once. So, interesting. There is no Tie Bombers or Y Wings in this mode. I wonder if we're not gonna have any uses for bombing ships at all yeah probably not um so again yeah that's why i was kind of skeptical that there, um skeptical that there might be a uh a bombing or you know some sort of objective where you have to like destroy capital ships or something like that yeah like, i'm pretty sure they would those. give us y wings for that yeah but, <laughs> you would definitely need them that's for sure yeah um but man either way it looks like some great stuff i'm probably gonna like want to watch this trailer again when we're done recording just because we've been talking about it for so long and now i'm like i want to see this again yeah we both stayed up to like two o'clock in the morning waiting for it (laughs) and it was worth it oh yes yeah because gamescom is going on over in germany they're like yeah the press conference starts at 1 a.m i was like oh some of us have to get up for work in the morning but i guess i should just be grateful that it wasn't on in the middle of the workday and i was actually able to watch it that's true (laughs) This might have been a little drowsy the next day, but... Yeah, a little bit, but I got through it. And then came home and watched the trailer again. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then one other uh, Star Wars-related thing from uh, Gamescom, in addition to Battlefront, they were also showing off... um, They showed a new trailer for the Star Wars The Old Republic expansion, The Knights of the Fallen Empire. Um, That's looking pretty cool, too. Um, I mean, they had the cinematic trailer for that back at E3, which was just awesome. Um, just like all those cinematic trailers for the game have been, but then they also showed the first gameplay trailer here and it was only like a minute long, didn't show off a whole lot, but, um, I mean, just, I mean, from someone who has played the game, um, it's, this is looking like a, a big, um, kind of a big step forward for the game in terms of, you know, what they're doing with the new story expansion. I mean, even just from some of the, the cinematics and stuff that they showed, um, and I'm not talking about like the last cinematic trailer, but just in this gameplay trailer, some of like the, the cinematic cutscenes from like in engine, um, looks like they've made some improvements to like the graphics and the lighting and some more dynamic, like camera shots and things like that. So, um, I mean, they keep saying that this is, uh, you know, returning to the roots of, you know, deep Bioware storytelling and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, from what we've seen so far, it looks like they're getting ready to deliver on that. So I'm pretty excited for that as well. Yeah, it looks cool. I mean, I'm not an Old Republic player at all. I haven't played 
the game since it launched, but I just found it curious from what we saw in the cinematic trailer we got at E3 and then this one. I was kind of thinking you were going to, because I know it's the whole purpose of it, the game is that you create your own character and then you go on your own story. But I was wondering if for this expansion mode, if you're going to play um, one of those, the son at the end of that cinematic trailer who killed his brother at the very end and you're going to take on his role. But it looks like you're going to, going to be another character, I guess your own user-created character who's going to that family kind of at the end of the trailer. He's all saying like, you, like kneel before me, like you can join us or something to that effect. And then you see, um, one of those sons who was in the first cinematic trailer, like standing in the background. So mm-hmm. it looks like you're just going to be joining with that faction or maybe you'll have the choice to do it. But I, I don't know, maybe I was just wrong to think that, that those characters you saw in the first cinematic trailer were who you're going to be playing as, but you're going to be playing as someone different. Yeah, no, I mean, with any of the cinematic trailers for the Old Republic, they've all just kind of showcased um, main characters who are involved in the story, mm-hmm. but not the character that you play as because you create your own character. Um, I mean, in the trailer, they mentioned the char- this character named the Outlander, which is, um, I mean, that's the character that you play as, but, you know, you create your own character, and then the, the Outlander is a title, just kind of like in Knights of the Old Republic 2, where you're the Jedi exile, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, they, they give you this title, but it kind of refers to whatever character you create as you're playing through that story, so... Um, I think it would have been cool, though. I mean, because I just love that first cinematic trailer with the story they were showing with those two brothers. I mean, that'd be a cool game in itself, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just to see... I mean, I'm still lost as to, like, where this whole third faction is coming from and how they managed to basically take down the Republic and the Empire or at least kind of, like, drive them both back to the brink to the point where... um, and from what we've heard so far about this new story expansion, it sounds like the Republic and the Empire are no longer fighting each other, but just kind of like licking their wounds after this third faction came out of nowhere. And I mean, I don't even know what this third faction is called, but I'm assuming this is the the fallen Empire or whatever. So um, I, I'm pretty excited to uh, to jump into this. I mean, this starts uh, August 19th, I think. Um, is when the expansion comes out or when the early access starts or something. So I'll have all of October and early November to dig into that story and then all of November and early December to play Battlefront. And then, you know, Episode 7 will be here before we know it. Yeah, don't forget Star Wars Uprising, too. That's another game. (laughs) That, too. That, too. It'll be well covered, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Star Wars Uprising, I'll just be playing on my phone while I'm in line to get Battlefront at midnight at GameStop or in line for yeah. The Force Awakens or whatever. There you go. Yeah, all their bases are covered for Star Wars gaming. <laughs> yep. And, and you know, probably at least another couple games or something for mobile that we haven't even heard about yet because they've just been coming up with so many of them lately. Yeah, that's true. We can get one announcement tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's, uh, you know, just about wraps up all the gaming stuff and wraps up just about everything for this episode. Um, do we have any other, you know, any other stuff you wanted to mention, Tim, or any other, uh, emails to read or anything like that? Um, nope. I think that was it, but man, just again, like I said, in the beginning, this, this is going to be it as far as maybe the lull time for, as we lead up to the force awakens. Cause once I think D 23 hits and then we got Forest for Fridays, it's just going to be just like you said, hyperdrive mode <laughs> against 
what we're going to get with the force awakens i mean that's all we're probably going to be seeing hearing more on a mainstream front too i mean mm-hmm. we already know it's been so anticipated amongst people but it's probably going to be in your face everywhere i just love it when we get to that time period where you just can't escape star wars so <laughs> we're almost there again and uh just so close yet so far <laughs> that phrase has been in my mind like this past month as far as mm-hmm. getting through summer and knowing that september october november then december's just right there, but we still got a bit of a ways to go. So we're we're almost there, though. It's exciting. Yeah. We're getting close, and uh, I think we're gonna sneak out on this episode just under the two hour mark. So um, Man, it's a short one for us. <laughs> this might be our last under two hour episode for the rest of the year, depending on you know how much more Star Wars stuff is coming up between now and uh, you know the big day. So. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll uh, just go ahead and wrap it up. Um, you know, thanks to you guys who sent us uh, emails and uh, thoughts on social media and stuff like that. Um, as always, you guys can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. Uh, Twitter.com uh, at Star Wars TSC on Twitter. Um, you can email us at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. You can check out our website, Star Wars TSC.com. Um, and I think that's about all the ways that you can get in touch with us. We'd love to, uh, you know, chat with you guys, get your thoughts, questions, comments, stuff about the show and about Star Wars stuff in general. And, uh, you know, just geek out about all this awesome new Star Wars stuff coming out. So, um, thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time with, uh, you know, probably after D23 with whatever's going to be coming out there. Hopefully some new, uh, cool info on, uh, episode seven. Um, but we'll, we'll see what we get and we'll be, uh, back with a new episode then. So until then, we will see you guys next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody.